Hello and welcome to the Clever Tax Podcast, Creating Useful People. I'm Jodie Cook and this episode is to launch a brand new book. So this book is a collaboration with Daniel Priestley, who is a friend, an entrepreneur and an author whose work I've admired for a very long time. The book will be called How to Raise Entrepreneurial Kids. It's going to be published with Rethink Press and it's going to be available in autumn of this year. So this podcast episode is Daniel and I talking about the inspiration behind the book, why it's a topic so important to both of us, as well as insights on what you can expect from the book. I'm so excited for it to be published and I hope you will be too. So here is the episode. We're going to have a conversation today. Uh, The two of us are co-authoring a book, um, Jody and myself. Um, I have a background writing four entrepreneurial books about the entrepreneur journey. I run a business accelerator that's worked with about 3,000 entrepreneurs. Um, Jody has an amazing background building a business from a very young age, JC Social Media, um, and also building a resource kit, um, Clever Tykes, uh, for, for parents and for kids. Um, and both of us share a passion for the idea of entrepreneurial kids. So we wanted to get together and write a book and co- collaborate with other parents and find lots of stories and find out whether there actually is a way to raise entrepreneurs and whether you can start out with a happy, bright spark of a kid and infuse them with a few entrepreneurial ideas to kind of broaden their opportunities in life. So um, both Jody and I share that passion. And uh, today we're just going to have a chat about what's going to go into the book and what the book is about and what's already in the book and what we're writing about. Um, so Jody, I'm just going to throw straight to you before we get into it. Tell us a bit about your entrepreneur background. Your like, what's your story? Okay. Um, so I started a business when I was 22 and I started a business because I just felt like I absolutely wanted to. And also it didn't feel like a risk to, it just felt like the normal thing to do. And when that happened, I remember thinking, why aren't any of my friends doing this? Why am I the only one? (laughs) And really becoming like starting to become fascinated as to like why I was able to and why other people weren't thinking about doing that. And what I realized at that point is so much of it came down to role models and being almost like raised to be entrepreneurial, definitely by accident. And what I realized happened when I was younger is just little things like um, when we went on a family trip, I would just pack my own suitcase from when I was like five, six, okay. seven. It was just, we're going on a trip, go get your own suitcase, go pack it. And I, so it never thought to me. Yeah. And I guess independence, like planning, absolutely everything that that taught me. Um, my mom just got me to do it. And I never once how considered old, that anyone else would do that. How old were you when you were packing your suitcase? I was probably like five or six, like really. Okay. Yeah. But it's <laughs> really just that young. kind of being given a responsibility and that feeling of like, oh, wow, you know, this is an important thing. Um, mm. I personally, yeah, I can relate to that. My parents both kind of imbued me with a bit of responsibility early on. They let me do things like run garage sales. And um, I also ended up starting a business at 22. Okay. So, um, so there must be something in the water when, uh, if, you, if you kind of give some entrepreneurial ideas, then obviously it comes out at 22. Um, so, so you had those first experiences. Are your parents entrepreneurs? Um, my mum's been self-employed for about 20 years. My dad was in car sales. Um, so maybe there was something to do with that because he would, yeah. Sales is a huge part. Cause he's from, he's from Essex and he 
well, he would kind of introduce me to what he did at different stages. So it was first, it was like, oh, I sell cars. And then it was, I teach other people to sell cars. And then it was, I turn around dealerships. And it was all very age appropriate uh, information. Yeah. But I think I probably learned the funny side of sales through my dad. Did you ever get um, thrown onto the, onto the lot to like talk to people? <laughs> we got taken to work with him, but we didn't actually do the actual speaking to people. But I definitely picked up a lot just from hearing the stories. Yeah. Um, but another thing that they both got me to do from a very early age, which I just thought was normal, was if I had dentist appointments or doctor's appointments, I would just book them myself and I would just call up and make the appointment. Wow. But I just didn't realize it was anything different um, until I started talking to other people. And it turns out there are some people even probably my age now whose parents still book their doctors and dentist appointments for them. So those, those are awesome things and they certainly give people a sense of responsibility and ownership, but they're not necessarily entrepreneurial. Packing a suitcase um, or booking a dentist appointment, even though they're really cool things. So how are we defining entrepreneur versus entrepreneurial? Because um, you and I, we both talked about um, the idea that there's a difference between entrepreneur, uh, being an entrepreneurial kid versus being a kid entrepreneur. And both of us yeah. didn't like the idea of being a kid entrepreneur, but entrepreneurial kid has a very different um, definition. So how, like, how, how do you think about the difference? Yeah, I agree that an entrepreneurial kid definitely doesn't need to be a kid that starts a business. Yeah. For me, it's about positivity, creativity, being resourceful, being resilient. But yeah. I think actually it all comes down to choice and someone's belief in themselves to assess a situation and make a choice. And that then means that they can go start their own business whenever they want. But also that's that comes in useful at every single stage of someone's yeah. journey. So it might be that rather than picking the GCSE subjects that all their mates are picking, they actually decide for themselves and they yep. go, well, do I want to go to university or college or do I want to decide for myself? And yeah. if someone gets so much practice doing that throughout their whole like lifetime, then by the time they come and start to decide what they want to do for a business or for a job, they, they are very much like in the driving seat going, what do I want? And making it a success. And I think it would set them up so much better to do that if they were raised in that way. Yeah. So I think um, what we both talked about was this idea that um, entrepreneurial characteristics and traits are a really positive thing without the pressure to start a business, and, you know, if you don't feel ready. Um, so it would be normal that an entrepreneurial kid would have entrepreneurial tendencies and then maybe start a business later in life uh, or work in a fast growth entrepreneurial business later in life um, or at least have that option. But we're not, what we're really not saying in the book is that you should encourage kids or, or put pressure on kids to start businesses. Obviously that's, you know, that's in many cases too, um, you know, too much pressure for a little kid to, you know, to, to do that, but you know, they can do entrepreneurial things. So mm -hmm. you write for Forbes magazine and this, um, or Forbes.com and this kind of started as a blog, didn't it? And it was one of your most popular blogs, how to raise entrepreneurial kids. Yeah, it was so interesting. So I sent a journal request out to try and get some responses. Um, it was two questions. It was, how are you raising entrepreneurial kids? And how were you raised to be entrepreneurial? And I thought I might get a few responses that I could turn into an article. And I got over 500. And I was reading wow. through being like, oh my God, they were just such incredible stories. And that's when I thought that we need to put these all together because there were trends coming through as well. Yeah. Um, so that's when I was like, yep, we need to turn this into a book. And that's when I rang you and I was like, I think we're onto something here. And I just love that it's, 
this isn't about you and me telling people how to raise people. This is about sharing lots of knowledge and expertise and putting stuff together just to give people ideas and get them to test new things out because yeah, hearing from other parents and hearing what other people are doing and how it's working and um, lots and lots of stories to, to, to read and absorb. Um, but with that said, we've wrapped a bit of a framework around it. So um, the framework that we talk about is four kind of pillars of, um, of, uh, entrepreneur or raising an entrepreneurial kid. Um, so we've got the mindset. <clears throat> so they're kind of mindset shifts that you can, you can put into, um, uh, entrepreneurial kids. So like the mindset of packing your own suitcase, the mindset of booking your own appointments, um, the mindset of selling something that you're not, you're not, you're not using anymore, um, that you could actually, you know, have something and sell it. Uh, so, you know, there's that, uh, there's that mindset. Um, the other one that we talked about was mentors, um, so giving kids exposure to entrepreneurs, I think uh, so many people, um, you know, their parents might not be entrepreneurs or the person who's actually trying to raise an entrepreneurial kid might not be an entrepreneur, uh, but it also opens them up just to have exposure to maybe a friend or an uncle or someone who is running their own business so that they at least have that in their mind. One thing that kind of shocks me is that my experience with a lot of adults is that they think that like the only job opportunities are large companies or government, like the NHS or the military or the police or the services, um, or that you would work for HSBC Bank or, um, you know, that those are the only options. Mm -hmm. And there's 5.7 million little businesses out there that you could work for. Um, and then you could go start your own if you wanted to as well. So kind of a lot of kids don't have any exposure to people who actually run their own business, do they? No, exactly. I think that lots of people just only aspire to be what they know exists. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Of course. Can you think of any stories that came through on the 500 uh, that relate to entrepreneur mindset or entrepreneur mentor? One of the ones that always stands out in my head with the mindset is parents who repeatedly told their kids that you can be absolutely anything you want to be and yeah. it sounds really fluffy but if someone actually grows up believing like wow I could be anything and why yeah. why wouldn't I be like someone's got to be president someone's got to be prime minister someone's yeah. got to be Richard Branson like why couldn't it be me um getting someone to think like wow this could be me is a really yeah, powerful well, thing yeah especially at that age opening opportunities not closing down um, to that. My, do you know what my five and a half year old wants to be? <laughs> He's got a really clear plan um, as to what he wants to be. He, as a teenager, he wants to be a bell ringer. Um, so he wants to be the person who's responsible for ringing the bells at church. Um, okay. So not because he's particularly into church, but he loves the sound of the bells and he wants to become a bell ringer. So he, if you ask him what he wants to be, the first thing he says, is, I want to be a teenage bell ringer. Um, <laughs> And then the second thing he wants to be is a volcano scientist, but only when he's an adult. So um, he's got his career path mapped out to be a teenage bell ringer, followed by a volcano scientist. That's perfect. Um, so many kids will say professions that they know exist, like princess, like teacher. Um, what One thing actually, um, in, the re in the research for my children's storybooks, Clever Tykes, we actually looked into who the entrepreneurial role models were that come around in the media yeah. and they're nearly all 
well, on, entrepreneurs and business people are always portrayed really negatively. So you've got like mm. Mr. Burns from The Simpsons, Matilda's dodgy car dealer dad, you've got Scrooge, you've got all these horrible, uh, even Lord Business from the Lego movie. Wow. But most of the professions that you see are trades. So you've got Fireman Sam, Postman Pat, Bob the Builder. Yeah. Um, the only actual business person I can think of is Peppa Pig's dad. Is Peppa Pig's dad an entrepreneur? <laughs> yeah, at one stage they go. To, well, I think he's in. I think he's in business. I don't know if it's his business, but at one stage they go to work with him and yeah, get I know they to go to work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I thought he was a mathematician or something like that. He's doing <sighs> mathematics sure, but, up on the on the board. But either way, any time a business person is portrayed in the media, they're like greedy and mean and horrible, and yeah, so you we, think like kids aren't going to going to aspire to be this unless they I see any positive ones. That. It is really <laughs> ridiculous. And then the other one is horrible, which is like you see, you know, these really gratuitous kind of, um, you know, Kardashians and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of, you know, yeah, you're right. It's not really portraying this whole middle ground of of actually entrepreneurs often massively into serving other people looking out for you know solving problems um you know and and delayed gratification and all this kind of stuff that entrepreneurs do hiring people creating jobs um often they're very much in the community uh but yeah there's very few characters in fiction that that do this so giving people exposure to to those um those mentors did you find any good mentors other than peppa pig's dad um no that's why we wrote them that's why we wrote them into storybooks because we were like, we want to introduce kids to these like positive, resourceful characters who they can look to emulate because we don't yeah. find any. Yeah. Yeah. And even still, when people do like older teenagers, when they think of entrepreneurs, it's the same names that always get trotted out. It's always Branson, Oprah, Dyson, um, you know, kind of uh, yeah. the Beckhams, you know, it's, it's the same names that come out again and again and again. And, you know, Anita Roddick, amazing entrepreneur, but we've had plenty of other amazing entrepreneurs since. Yeah. Um, I think the more that you champion them and the more people know lots of them, the more accessible it feels and the more that you believe that that could be a path for yourself. And I also really, sorry. Yeah, go for it. No, no, go for it. (laughs) I also really liked something that I think, I think you actually said to me in the first conversation we had about this book, which was when you were saying how you describe what you do for work to your kids and yeah. how you were very careful to be like, work is where I go and I get to create stuff and I get, I to, get to help people. And, and it's all very, I get to instead of I have to. Yeah. I've been really disciplined. I noticed that a lot of people say, sorry, guys, I have to go to work. I can't do this thing that I want to do because I have to go to work. And if you say that a hundred times across the course of a, you know, a year or a kid's growing up, then essentially work becomes this really negative thing that you don't want to do. Um, whereas I've always said to my kids, um, oh, I get to go to work today. And Xander will say, what, what do you do at work? Like, what, what is it? I said, well, do you know, big school, how much fun you have at big school and you meet people and you create things. I said, well, my work, I create things, I meet people, I do talking and sometimes there's music. I make stuff up, right? Of course, it's not that interesting. But <laughs> but what I do is to him, I create this idea that work is creating and meeting and um, having fun and um, yeah, yeah, all of these things that sound yeah. really fun. So and it's a choice great. as well, putting it out as a choice to make totally. them think I can choose too. 
Yeah. And he's, he started asking questions like, how do you make money? Like how do, how do you get money? And um, I've said, well, there's lots of ways to make money. There's money. There's all sorts of money opportunities everywhere. There's lots of money out there. There's never been more money around. Sometimes there's money just lying around the house. Sometimes there's, <laughs> you might find some in the back of the couch. Um, that's if you get lucky. Um, <clears throat> you can do a job for mummy, right? But you could also make something and create something. And if I wanted to give you some money for a book or a picture that you created, then I might buy it off you. Um, so if you want to create a beautiful picture for me, then I could um, buy it for a pound and then you could give it to me and then it's mine and then I give you the money. He's like, really? I can just create something? And I'm like, yeah, you can. And uh, so like I'm, give, I'm trying to give him lots of ideas and options as to how money get, how this thing called money gets made. And it's not always chores and doing the bins and cleaning the gutters mm -hmm, and these mm -hmm. horrible things. That's one thing that could be, but there's all these other ways to create money um, as well. And when he talks about what is money, I, I say, well, it's just a fun way to, it's like a game um, and it's just a fun way to keep score. And it's, uh, it's like um, when you, you know, when you have lots of money going around, it's just that you're, ha you're having a good time playing the game. Um, there's just a game that adults play called money game. Um, and that's interesting as well, because one of the sections of the book is about financial, is a kind of attitude to money and the, yeah. what the kind of, the story that you instill, which then someone might carry through with them forever. Like lots of people oh. act with money, how their parents acted with money and their parents before that. And they never question it. Like they never, this whole idea of money is the root of all evil. It's like, well, is it really? Because there are people without money who can be evil and there are people with money who can be evil. There are people with lots of money who can do amazing things. Um, so, you know, but people have heard that growing up. So then therefore they, um, they uh, decide that, oh, okay, I'll believe that as well. There's this fun story that I heard once, which was really cool. And it was, um, there was this daughter who's baking a cake with her mother and they bake a square cake and then the mother cuts the four corners off the cake and then puts it on the bench to, to cool. And the daughter says, why do you cut the corners off the cake? And she said, well, that's what you do when it comes out of the tin. You cut the corners off the cake. And she says, well, why? Like, I, I don't understand why. And she goes, oh, well, that's how my mother taught me how to do it. And uh, she said, okay, well, I'll go talk to grandma. She said, grandma, why do you cut corners off the cake when they come out of the square tin? She goes, mm, I don't know why you do that. And she goes, well, mum said she learned it from you. And she, the grandma thought about it and she went, oh, that's because I had a square baking t tin, but I had a circular cake tin that I had to put in the, when I put the cake away. So I would cut the corners off so it fit inside the circular the, the tin. And it's this weird little thing that happened years ago that 20, 30, 40 years later, this woman's still cutting the corners off the cake because of, <laughs> because of something that had never, she'd never asked the question why. And it's the same. Maybe some of these beliefs that people carry were legitimate beliefs during the great depression or, you know, in the warrior or something like that, mm -hmm. you know, or in a time where everyone worked in a big factory, but actually in a time where everyone has the means of production in their phone and can create a business pretty much with an idea and a laptop, then, you know, yeah. there's, there's updated software that we can get in our head. Yeah. Different rules, different rules to play by. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the other two, so we've got mindset and we've got mentors. So the mindset is these ideas, entrepreneurial ideas. Mentors is giving exposure to people um, who, uh, who are in business and entrepreneurship. The other two 
is entrepreneurial skills and actually finally entrepreneurial opportunities, ways to mm-hmm. express that. So what are some of the entrepreneurial skills that we've seen amongst uh, the 500? Um, let's start with you. What are some of the entrepreneurial skills that you, um, you got taught as a kid? Selling? Did you, did you have to sell anything? Um, my dad was really like obvious about when he was teaching us selling techniques. So it would be like, he'd almost just take the mic. He'd be kind of like, do you want to clean your bedroom? And he'd just be nodding away, like trying to say like, you need to, you need to let someone know what you want them to do with your nods. Mm. Um, and then he taught us very early the kind of dual positive, <laughs> like, do you want to clean your room now or do you want to clean your room later? Um, rather than <laughs> option C, which is not the, cleaning your room at all. The assumptive clothes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I remember when I was younger, I really wanted a dog and I had to put a PowerPoint presentation together. Wow, pitch deck. On how and on whether I could get a dog. And it included things like who was going to walk it, who was going to feed it, absolutely everything. In the end, I never got a dog. My pitch wasn't good enough. Wow. <laughs> but my cousin, Harriet, did. It was proper um, dragon style. We're yeah. Out. So, sorry, Jodie. Absolutely. Jody. We're out. No dog. But no dog. I didn't really want one that much. Or well, maybe I thought I did and I didn't. And that's why my pitch wasn't good enough because I didn't really believe it. Whereas my cousin put, put together a really good pitch. She got a dog. Um, the main thing that sold it for her was she put together a dog walking rotor. Uh, but really then she went to business. uni and now look how, much you, look how much you paid attention you thought it all through why did she yeah. get one and I didn't get one her that was exactly it but then she went um, to uni and now she has to her parents have to walk the dog and she doesn't so and she's she's developed an exit strategy from her dog <laughs> yeah I think she has yeah she didn't put that in the pitch yeah, yeah. there you go she's outsourced about, to a team how about you do you remember any entrepreneurial skills you learned oh yeah up? look the, the coolest thing that ever happened for me was um, we had this house fire and it was a, a small house fire. The kitchen caught fire and, and the curtains went up and all this sort of stuff. And then it got put out, but a whole bunch of stuff was damaged. And um, they were going to throw it away because it was covered by insurance. And I had the opportunity at 10 years old to sell this stuff, to clean it, to, to, to clean it up and to put together a little garage sale. And I got really into this at age 10 and I made flyers and I put them up in the um, off license and uh, I put a little one line ad in the newspaper, garage sale in the classified section. And then I put so much effort into promoting the garage sale that I hadn't dawned on me that I didn't actually have all that much stuff to sell. Um, so the day before I went around to all the neighbors and said, would you like to put things in my garage sale? We've done all the advertising and everyone's coming and um, I'll keep note of it in my book. And then when we sell it, I get half and you get half. Um, and I did 50-50 joint venture consignment deals uh, with my local neighborhood. And I ended up um, all in, I ended up making 300. I remember it quite clearly. I made $300, which was enough for a BMX bike, a Sega Master System, and a couple of games. And it was just like, like wow, I made, you know, this horrible event happened. This, you know, the fire burnt the kitchen. And here I am making money and it's like, I've turned something negative into a positive. And um, so a year later I ran another one um, purely and simply. Uh, I didn't have very much stuff, but I did almost all of it through joint ventures uh, Mm -hmm. with the neighbors. Um, So I did that like a couple of times. So that was really cool. Um, I was involved in the committee to put on the, uh, the nightclub parties. 
So um, uh, school would have the basketball hall and we would um, uh, put on this kind of blue light. It was called a blue light disco, but the kids had to have a committee to promote it and you had to kind of get make sure people would be there and book a DJ and all that. And I really loved this. This was like the highlight of my year being part of organizing a, a nightclub. Um, and then you had to organize the bags and people had to get a ticket and they had to check their bag in and all that. So we organized all these components mm-hmm. and um, pretty much that, that kind of started around 10 to 13 that I was selling stuff and organizing stuff. And it was just, um, that's what I loved the most. I, I really enjoyed that way more than any of the actual school subjects. Um, so entrepreneur skills. Yeah. And I bet so much of that came because, of all the stuff that had happened before then, not even just that the, op- the opportunities came up, but also that you believed you could do it and you had like bits of the, bits of the skills required to run those ventures that meant that yeah. you thought, yeah, sure, why not? Whereas you've got some kid who's also there going, oh, that could never be me because I, I they just it. wouldn't have the confidence, yeah. Yeah, so what, are, like, um, what do you think are some of the, some of the skills that um, parents could start introducing? or that we're going to talk about it, that are, that are in some of the stories, in some of the 500 stories? So there's um, one of the ones that's in the book is about just being open to look, like noticing opportunities. So there's one story I remember, and it's a dad, and whenever he drives his kids around, he'll point to just empty spaces, and he'll go, tell me what business could go there. And then he'll oh, get wow. them to he'll get them to tell him. And if they come up with a silly idea, he'll just kind of go, come on, tell me more. And they'll Something end up doing better. these whole business plans for just a business that could go in a field next to the motorway because they just it. had that conversation. Yeah, that, that's cool. That's actually one of the things my dad did when I was a little kid. Um, he would, we would listen to marketing tapes uh, in the car. And I remember there was this uh, marketing tape called having a call to action. And you've got it in in your marketing, you have to have a call to action. And then dad was like saying to me, have a look at that sign. Does that sign have a call to action on it? It's like, no, it doesn't. What about that one? Oh yeah. It says call 1-800-123-456. It does have a call to action. Right. And we kind of like analyzed some of the marketing and had a look at different ads. And we said, we sort of checked to see if they had calls to action or not. Um, which was, uh, yeah, like that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And kids have great ideas about that kind of stuff as well. They could probably add quite a lot. Yeah, totally. Totally. Cause they're not limited by what they, you know, what they've been told is, is normal or possible come up with all sorts of cool stuff. Um, so something, um, there's something else just on that as well, which is, um, asking the question, why are we waiting in line or why are we waiting in a queue and how that starts a discussion around, like supply and demand and why like yes. what the shop could do to stop people waiting in the queues and why so many people are there because they want to buy what's on offer. So even just that to spark the interest. Yeah. Genius. Uh, one of the fun ones that I did in about 14 is my dad got me a little uh, journal notepad and he said, I want you to go through all the businesses for sale and cut out the ones that you would one day love to own. And, uh, and then they could be, that could be your business and you've got to make, cut them out and put them into the, into the thing and say why you want to own that business. So it's like, Oh, I want to own this nightclub cause that would be really cool. Or I'd like to own this coffee shop or I'd like to own um, this pet business. So I went through all the businesses for sale magazine and cut out the ones that I thought I'd like to own one day. Um, <laughs> it's, weird, it's, it's weird, huh? And I love, I just love the thought of, this all being a game because then it goes back to what you said earlier that 
even in the future it's a game as well we're just cutting things out of magazines and playing businesses yeah, but the earlier you start that the more you get into that mindset of it's just a fun thing to do yeah yeah exactly um so the last one was opportunities right so the four the four pillars uh, the mindset the mentors the skills the opportunities so yeah. opportunities is actually where you kind of i think for older kids especially you kind of put an, an entrepreneurial opportunity an opportunity to step up to the plate so um things like actual real examples of doing something entrepreneurial mm-hmm. so like listing um you know the family might have some uh things that are around the house that are no longer being used maybe some old tennis rackets or um you know some other things lying around and you kind of list them on Facebook or list them on eBay and manage that process of selling something online. Um, uh, you know, uh, creating juice and then selling the cups of juice, obviously lemonade stand is obviously a, a classic one. Um, but some of the entrepreneurial opportunities, what are some of the ones that spring to mind? One of the ones that I love is a dad who he has been teaching his son how to, They've been doing something with like microchips, like kind of coding them up so they're a certain, they do a certain thing. And then he's been listing, helping him to list them on eBay. Wow. But um, his, so on eBay, they go for about five pounds, but he's, his son has decided that he wants to make 10 pounds each one. So he's just listed them on for 10 pounds and none have sold yeah. because they're twice as expensive. But the yeah. dad is letting him make his own mistake yeah, and letting lovely. him learn. And then they're going to have the conversation about, well, why haven't they sold? Would you think if they're five pounds, people might want to pay 10 pounds for the same thing. Yeah. And I really like the idea of not only introducing them to the opportunity, but also just letting them make their own mistakes and letting them roll with it and letting them learn from it. Cause it's, it's just it's a no risk-free environment. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Really, really nice. Uh, one of the ones I saw is, um, uh, someone, young kid who buys these vintage cameras um, that uh, on their own, he then buys a lens and a leather case, cleans it all up and then sells it as a package. So component wise, they all kind of come in at about 25 pounds for this mm-hmm. particular type of thing. And then all together as a package, it's like 45 pounds. Um, so he's, he effectively buys this stuff for 25 and sells for 45. And okay. just, yeah, like actual fun little opportunities to do stuff yeah Um, and some of the examples even even probably pre messing around starting a business are things like just kind of introducing people to just the idea of solving a problem to get them into the solving problem mindset and um a lot of a lot of the people who submitted answers have been involving their kids in their work in some way. And that yes. might be a really small way of solving some problem or just saying, well, this is something I'm thinking about doing today. What do you think I should do? And it doesn't need to be, it, they don't even need to start their own business. It's just about having that discussion and being open yeah. to their ideas as well. Yeah. Uh, one um, dad that I was um, talking to, his cool thing that he's got is he doesn't um he doesn't uh tell the kids that they get paid per hour or per task uh to clean the pool but every single day he checks the pool that it's got no leaves in it and then at the end of the week if he's checked it every single day and there is no leaves then the kids get five pounds or whatever it is for there being no leaves in the pool Um, it doesn't matter how they do it or who does it or how often they do it it's for maintaining a particular standard. And what mm-hmm. he's trying to teach them, because he's an entrepreneur, is that it's actually not the work 
that is valuable. It's the outcome. It's the actual, and he talks about the kids with this, that it's not, I don't care that, you know, if I paid you two pounds to clean the pool, you clean it when there's nothing in it. If I keep, if I pay you five pounds to keep the pool clean, uh, then you, uh, then you, you know, you'll check it every day and it might only need a very quick little clean, but it's this idea that you're maintaining a high standard or maintaining a standard in, in exchange yeah. for, the, for the money. I like that. Cause I think the, the, the kind of, not the issue of pocket money, but the subject of pocket money is quite a funny one because if you pay someone at the same time, the same amount each month, are you conditioning someone to receive a salary? Universal and, credit. <laughs> or universal credit, yeah. And is that conducive to someone being entrepreneurial? Maybe it's a good thing, maybe it's, maybe it's not. Um, one of the stories I've just remembered is someone called Graham, Graham Alcott, who is an author, and also he's got a productivity business. And when he was younger, he started washing cars in his neighborhood with a friend. And um, then he realized pretty quickly that if he just did it faster, he could wash loads more cars and get paid more each day. But when he went to collect the money, if he was too fast, his customer would say, no, 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 the car's probably, it cannot possibly be clean because you haven't taken long enough. So he learned, like when he was really like a teenager, he learned that he should wash all the cars as fast as he wanted to and then collect all the money at the end of the day. So they had no concept of how long it had taken. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Like so, so, so cool. So the, the key idea with the book is sharing lots of stories. There's hundreds of stories from other parents. Um, it's just parent sharing. We've wrapped a bit of a framework around it with the, um, the mindset, the mentors, the skills and opportunities, mm -hmm. um, all with the outcome of creating a bit more of an entrepreneurial kid. And um, yeah, looking forward to sharing this with the world and, and getting people uh, to, to read the stories and, and uh, create their own story. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. It's And it's so accessible as well. And I, I think there is an idea in there for everyone. And even if someone is super switched on with this stuff, I think that there'll be some things that just make them go, yeah, let's try that. And then it's all about fun, really. It's all about having fun and just having new discussions and working out new ways of doing it. And that's, that's the difference between an entrepreneurial kid and a kid entrepreneur. A kid entrepreneur is probably going to feel too much pressure and it's not going to be so fun but an entrepreneurial kid's just going to see that it's all a game and it's good fun and they're learning skills and getting exposed to different, uh, different ideas. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I love that. It's all about having fun um, and, uh, and raising some entrepreneurial kids. Cause goodness me, if we finish up on this idea, goodness me, the, the, it's probably never been so important to have entrepreneurial kids, right? Like if yeah. you really think about, you know, the great, the grander scheme of the world that these kids are going to go into so many jobs, are going to be done by technology. Um, anything that's kind of functional or repeatable will either be done by tech or it'll be outsourced somewhere else. So mm -hmm. you really have to have kids that kind of are raised with the mindset of creating opportunities and spotting opportunities and finding things that need to be done and that money is a game and that it's not necessarily hard work that pays the bills. It's creativity and innovation and ideas and connecting people and, you know, all of those kind of things, putting together a pitch deck. Yeah. that's you know that's uh, that's the that's where it's at because i think there are going to be there are going to be fewer people that are able to guide them in that way because even um so i started a social media agency at 22 but i went to see my careers advisor at 16 and the the job of a social media manager didn't even exist at that point 
Totally. And that was like 10 years ago. So in another 10 years, it's going to be the gap will be even shorter. So it, someone just needs to be able to look for the opportunities themselves. Yeah, ex- exactly. I mean, it, it is kind of funny that I think, yeah, I think about where I grew up, it was essentially everyone was put into a trade. Uh, you, you were either a pest controller, a builder, concrete, sparky, plumber. Um, th- those were basically the jobs that you were um, allowed to think about. Um, yeah. cause I grew up in a, in a beachside community that was basically tourism and hospitality and construction. And, uh, and that was kind of it. So, oh yeah, I'm going to move to London and start an entrepreneur accelerator and expand around the world globally and write books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was mm-hmm. not, that was not an option. Yeah. Uh, if you'd have said that to your careers advisor, they'd have been like, uh, what? <laughs> they'd have probably kicked you out and said, no, you're too silly. Like be, be well, what everyone did, else wants um, to be. Yeah, I well, I did always get criticised for being too talkative, and um, and just making stuff up and creating stuff on the spot. And actually, that's how I make my money right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, uh, so it turns out it wasn't so bad. But uh, look, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, people's reaction to it, and uh, yeah, and people being able to read it and then share their stories. So. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and we're still definitely good. inviting stories as well. We're still open to hearing them. Um, maybe there'll be a bit too, who knows? But the more stories we get, the more we can put this all together and the more that we can share these messages out there even further. Yeah. And more than anything, I'm just really, really thrilled that you rang me and said, can I get involved? <laughs> yeah, as, as a father of three kids under six, I'm re- it's, a, it's a topic that is so dear to my heart, really passionate about this. Yeah, it's going to be great. Awesome. Thanks, Jodie. thank you thank you so much for listening that was me Jodie Cook and Daniel Priestley my co-author for our upcoming book how to raise entrepreneurial kids to be the first to know when the book is released head to clevertikes.com and sign up to our mailing list thank you for joining us